I, I think that's I think that's all from from what I can remember. Ugh. We've got this. I wanted a hand hug. No, just the thumb. Oh. Put your hand normal. Put your Fuck. hand like a noble high five and hug me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never done that before. <laughs> the fuck? Did you come up with that or is that a thing? No, I've seen it before. I'd like to claim it as my own, but we won't. So the main thing that... Um, the main thing I want to accomplish is... Do, do, do you remember that uh, text I sent you about like, hey, these are my three things mm-hmm. that I have to do? Um, likes and, yeah. I have to avoid saying ums and likes. Okay. Or at least keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Because I sound like shit when every second word is like. Even I though it's a bridging word. I say it a lot as well, don't worry. Uh, what else? Oh, pay attention to her was number one. Why? <laughs> because I felt like. Uh, a lot of the jokes that you were saying just like oh, went over my head. They did, especially right <laughs> at the start. I was like, wow, this is going to be awkward. Because <laughs> I think, so what usually happens when I'm having a conversation with someone is sometimes I'm thinking too far ahead about what's what next. I'm go- well, not what's next, but like what am I going to, yeah, fuck it, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> and what ends up happening is, I'm kind of like in this trans state mm-hmm. where I'm half listening. And so if you say a joke that requires a little bit of like <laughs> at least attention, like good I'm one. not going to hear it properly. Yeah. Actually, what keeps happening lately is people keep um, uh, doing dry humor jokes to me. And you're not getting them. And I'm not getting them. So as the, ta- in the tables have turned, essentially. Dry Dryness back. To me, does not process. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about this one date I went on? Um, leading up to it, she was saying something about how um, if you're if you're gelling with someone, or like the sign of a a relationship going well, you're going to start adopting some uh, of the traits of the other person. Have you heard that? Yeah. Before? So she starts telling me this, and I'm like, all right. I mean, in hindsight, I think it was like she was trying to tell me something. So we're at dinner, and she's like, um, the the waitress comes over. She's like, what do you, would you like? And she starts um, listing all this shit that she wants to eat. So she's at least, like, selected five, five mains. Right. <laughs> and all of this, and I, I, I don't know how to respond. I'm like, why, why are you ordering so much? And she's like, I oh, know, it was a joke. Oh. And oh. you just didn't know how to react to that, obviously. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I didn't really. What part? <laughs> what part of that was a joke? Like the waitress is confused out of okay, her mind. Okay, but can I just say, was she trying to she be? She was trying to be dry, but like on purpose because that wasn't funny to me. And like, I feel like maybe she was she trying too hard, right? Well, I don't know if she was trying too hard, but like, I I sometimes do shit like that. Was mm. like, what would you like? I'll have everything. I'll have <laughs> one of everything. But I think she sold it maybe too well. Yeah, right. Where it's just like you cross the line of being dry mm-hmm. where you're acting to be like the extreme version of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where this is a believable performance <laughs> of a really, really negative, uh, I don't know, behavior or some shit. That's what it felt like. So she wasn't selling the sarcasm as much as you'd like. She just kind of went for it and you actually assumed she wanted five meals. Right. So welcome to the next 
episode. I don't know if it's the next episode. The last one, the last one we did felt like, feels like a year ago. It does. I think it's just like a, a welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. back to the show. <laughs> we decided that no other episode should be done in the interim unless we could get Jasmine Peters back. <laughs> I like that, the sound of that. Yeah, based on based on the feedback that we were getting. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. No, that's cool. Were you when you did it? What were you, um, what were you hearing from like friends and and family? Oh, I think people really enjoyed it in a different light. So, like, obviously, people had listened to some previous podcasts I've yeah. done with a company, which was like a lot more serious yeah. chat. Whereas like, this is a lot more laid back and fun and like relatable, I guess. Oh, fun, thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I enjoyed it so much because you can just you go wherever that goes, you know. And I yeah, think we yeah. did that very well and. I think a lot of people related to some of the stuff we spoke about, which mm. was really awesome. And it was just a lot more fun and laid back. So I think people respected that a bit more. It wasn't necessarily tunneled down to one topic. So, Do you get the thing where you ask um, like friends or family of what they think mm-hmm. and then they'll um, not lie but try and just give you positives? They want to tell you how they really feel? Mm. I feel like most people go that way but – the ones that know you the best know you want that proper feedback, right? Yeah. So I'll say, what did you like? Like even like just on social media, right? Like posting it on Instagram and stuff, like a lot of random people were like, hey, like I really liked that podcast, especially when you said this. And I was like, cool, that's great. You enjoyed it. But what, where did you struggle yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And people actually gave some pretty good feedback with that. Um, so that was really nice. I think that's really nice when people actually take the time to say, this is what I enjoyed. This is what I didn't. So yeah, no, that was good. I think the social media helped a lot with that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done one of those uh, sport interview things? Like like media interviews from sport? Um, in my time in Holland a little bit, but not really. No, not like full-on professional like TV yeah. interview, no. Did they do it in Dutch? No, <laughs> English, <laughs> thank be, God. A lot of people speak English over there, funny enough. Oh, okay. Like it's a very well-spoken English country. Like obviously mm. Dutch is their first language, but I didn't really have any struggles mm. with the language barrier except for my coach. So like in a team situation, he was too nervous to speak English. So I'd have a translator and we'd have like our team meetings where I, I knew nothing. And then after the meeting, it would be like an hour meeting. And then I'd get like, he said this, this, and this. And I was like, for the whole hour, they just give me like the short version. You know? He said you were good. <laughs> He yelled at me for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, he said you were good. He said, well done. <laughs> yeah, no, so that was really cool. But yeah, the language over there, they're quite good. They're quite good in terms of like English and stuff. I think for me, like I, Australians naturally speak quite fast. And like the girls in my team would say that when I spoke to someone from home, like my dialect changed so much. Like I'd, they'd be like, what? Like you're speaking so fast, like slow down. And then to them, I'd slow my English down a lot, you know. Mm. So um, When you're nervous or just in general? I just think in general, Aussies are quite mm. fast spoken, you know, like, and they speak English, but not Australian English. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like we have they our own, <laughs> we have our, a complete other type of English, I think here. But yeah, no, that was, they were pretty good over there actually. Mm. I've always struggled with um, uh, Australian small talk. I think Australians nail small talk, but I've always felt like, like you achieve nothing in the conversation, but it just it just flows really well. Mm. Um, oh, hey, how, how's it how's it going? And then they'll say something like, "I, I don't have any examples." <laughs> <laughs> I struggle more on that is when people don't give you anything back. That's yeah. what I struggle with because I feel like 
I'm pretty good at getting people talking in a sense, but you know, people that are quite reserved and it might um, come across a different way, but they're just quite shy. And you're like, hey, how are you? And they're like, yeah, good. And you're like. Great. Where do I go from there? That's good. What What's new? Oh, not a lot. And you're like, ask me how I am. Mm. Like, I need something to go with here. You Do you know? ever just go, fuck it, I'm just going to tell you what's on my mind? <laughs> anyway, so lately I've been <laughs> more so to friends in a sarcastic way. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I wouldn't do that to someone I didn't know. But do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I struggle with that sort of small talk more is trying to engage in a conversation with someone that quite clearly doesn't want to mm. engage in that conversation. I, I feel like sometimes people want to be in a conversation, but they just don't want to uh, lead it. Yeah. That makes sense. But then there's this there's this weird spot where you're just like, do I need to balance this out or do they just want to hear me talk for an hour and a half? <laughs> I think it just depends on the person. Right. Are they shy? Do they not like you? I don't, I don't know. It's just, I, know I just think it? we could what be. What have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's more just a, a basis on like who the person is mm. like do you know them like I have a best friend who's the funnest person like when you know her but like she's very shy off the bat and sometimes people mistake that for her personality type being like quite standoffish when she's actually so lovely she's just not someone that can walk in a room and like go approach people and be right. super excited about that you know like she needs people to engage with her and then she'll open up a bit more yeah that's a that's a hard thing to can't think of a better word than navigate, but I don't even know if that <laughs> works in this context. Um, where you'll talk to someone, they don't really give you anything back, and it's hard for that impression to not leave like a bad taste in your mouth. Because, mm-hmm. like, well, if we were kind of enjoying each other's energy, not from not from like a relationship, just like uh, a conversation with a stranger, if they don't yeah. if they don't give you anything back, it's hard to kind of go. Well, let's keep going and try and make this work. <laughs> let's just try and like <laughs> act like we care about each other right now. Uh, situation as well, I guess. Like mm. what type of situation are we talking? At a party? At a let's random, go a party. A party. See, then people are more open to new conversations, I think. Mm. There's so much deeper stuff we can go into here. <laughs> What's their situation? Are they in a bad mood? What are they wearing? What time yeah. of day is it? Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, social, social settings are different. Like I had a lady, I was walking down the train station the other day. And she literally was just this random, like, older lady who was sitting by herself and just asked me if my shoes were comfy, just out of nowhere. Like, I saw her actually as I walked down, like, full on, like, stare at them. And I kind of stood next to her and she just turned to me and she goes, hey, are those shoes comfy? And I, like, a lot of people would be like, yeah, and, like, kind of stood up. And I'm like, yeah, they're, like, one of my favorite pairs. And she's like, oh, cool. Like, are they expensive? We got in this, like, full on chat. And I felt like we were best friends at this point, obviously. And then we got on our train and went our separate ways. But we engaged in a full on conversation just <laughs> based off her asking about my shoe, you what know? What type of shoe? The ones I'm wearing right now, actually, they're just the Pumas, all white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, really in now, hey? Obviously, catch the eye, you know? Right. But that's the thing is, like, people choose in situations. I wouldn't say it's rude, but, like, whether they can be bothered to engage in a, a conversation like that. Whereas I, I always feel guilty. Like, I'm always super nice. Like, I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And I full got in this mad conversation about my shoes with this mm. random lady who I'm never going to see again. But How old was she? Uh, I'd say like late fifties, maybe sixties. How did she? So did you? Did she say it um, as you were passing, or were you sitting down? Sorry, what, what did you say? I passed. Well, you passed, and as you and were I'd passing, and I stopped, like kind of next to her, maybe like 
a couple of meters away. Because you're planning on standing there. Yes. Okay. And then she kind of just kept looking at me, and you know, when you have that like, yeah, looking, what do you, what's up, like, yeah. and she just yeah approached with the. Are those shoes comfy? And I was like, yeah, they're like my favorite pair. And then we got into price and somehow turned into Black Friday sales. And what time of the year is the best time to buy shoes? And all of a sudden I thought I was in a sales role for, you know, Puma. Yeah, and I yeah. don't know how I haven't got a sponsor already. But I just, yeah, it just turned into a whole other thing. Do you think that because she was um, older and um, um, a woman mm -hmm. that it felt like it was okay? Like you weren't, you weren't weeded out by the conversation? No, nah, not at all. I think I was just more of a terms of just trying to be nice to a random who had a question. I, don't, I think it could have been anyone and I would have approached it the same way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have. Yeah. I think I would have just approached it the same way. Yeah. Like same, I guess, vibes. Like right, she just looked right. like a nice lady. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, if yeah. someone was like, where are your shoes from? Like in a completely different <laughs> attitude, I'd be like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. Mm. So, uh, I wanted to try to do something a little uh, different mm -hmm. and actually try to research, do some research. Yeah. Um, on you as a guest. Creepy. No, I'm well, kidding. Well, <laughs> it, it felt creepy, but I was like, it was one of the, you know, those websites was like, oh, Top 10 things to do if you're going to be a good podcast host. Yeah. And at the top was like do a good amount of research so you mm -hmm. can uh, come to uh, find a topic that, you know, you can discuss or whatever. No, I like it. I can't wait to hear what you've you found out about me. Well, I just kept finding there, there was only like three things that stood out. Yeah. Have you done a Google of you lately? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't uh, Google myself. in the following states. <laughs> Um, I have Googled myself, yes, previously. Do you know what the number one uh, thing is? The number one result? I'm going to say it's to do with my ex. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. That was the main thing softball. that popped up. Yeah. Um, not to do with your ex, but... Pictures um, and apparently stuff. Apparently you did a couple of articles. Yeah, we did. We did do a few. I think, yeah. Yeah, that was the main thing that came up. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing that came up was, <laughs> for some reason, I thought this was you. <laughs> and then I looked at the picture. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's not, it's not you. There's, there's, um, there's an NRL player called Jasmine Peters. Oh, yeah. interesting. In Australia? Yeah. I don't recall what team she was Are in. Are you sure it wasn't me? I'm a woman of many talents. Oh, I don't know. Do you, <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you look anything like this? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. That's me. That's you? Yeah, no. No, interesting. I, I assumed X, maybe some softball picks, and mm. then just like random people called Jasmine Peters. Like, Well, surprisingly, you appear in a lot of the searches for Jasmine Peters, which is nice. Yep. That's what you want. Yep. Um, and then another thing that stood out was, what is this thing? Um, a cap. So cap number 305. Cap number 305. Okay, so um, I represent... New South Wales Fire Stars, which is the like top level in Australia. We play nationals. Mm -hmm. um, and when you make that team, so you can play New South Wales your whole life, but if you make the opens team, you get capped. So same with like Australian teams and stuff, we get a cap number. So I was the 305th player mm -hmm. to represent the New South Wales Fire Stars. And that will forever be my cap number now. Is, is it a relatively new like team? Like 305 doesn't seem that many. Mm, but you gotta you got to think as well that it's opens level. So there's players in my team that have played for 10 plus years. 
Oh, you know, okay, so right. it's it's not it's a hard team to get into, especially coming from youth. Like you kind of have to wait for older players to retire to then get into oh, that okay. team. You know, like p- people stick around for a while. It's how, not how, how old's a while? Like the average retirement age. Um, I mean, our captain Stacey Porter, still in the Australian squad, plays professionally overseas. Like she's been, I can't even tell you, a very long time. She's probably one of the oldest in the game now, and still one of the best. So you got to picture it like that. There's there's young players. I think every year there's at least one rookie, mm-hmm. at least. So, uh, like, you can keep going until like forties, fifties, kind of thing. I wouldn't say fifties. Maybe <laughs> early, maybe early forties. Okay. How the body holds up, you know. Yeah. Girls settle down, have kids. So, there has been a case where players have gone and come back after kids. So it just it depends how much you love the sport. Like right now, I I can see myself playing for a long time, mm. but you know, situations change. How the body holds up, you know. I'm two knee surgeries deep now, so. Mm. They might give out on me in a few years. We'll have to see. But yeah, yeah, definitely situational. As I was kind of um, doing research. Yeah. And um, for some reason, it occurred to me that I don't think I ever asked you how you got into softball. Oh. Like where did, where did that all start? Funny enough, growing up, I was just one of those kids that did every sport. Yeah. You know, and... I've always been quite advanced in terms of like understanding the game. So when I was advanced. young, I <laughs> genuine, like I just, we I have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew what was going on, you know, yeah. no, but it was one of those situations where you could throw me into a sport and I quite quickly understood the game. Mm. Does that make sense? And I, I, as a kid, I, I stood out as a, as a young athlete, you know, and it was one of those situations where my sister was playing baseball younger age groups, the women's league kind of died out for, for baseball for women. So my mum put her into T-ball, mm. which is the early stages of softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hated it. I did not want to be there like at all. Not the sport for me. Like I was doing netball and athletics as well and gymnastics and all these weird things. And um, a girl ended up getting injured in my sister's rep team. She broke her arm. And because my sister was already in that team, they're like, can Jasmine just fill in? And I ended up being quite good at that young age. And then I, like, my mom kept putting me in it, putting me in it. I was making rep teams. So I played from when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing for a long time now, you know. Um, so when you were put into that team where the girl broke her arm, mm-hmm. how old were you then? Oh, well, this year, I think, will be year 18 that I represent Penrith. So the Penrith um, Association for Rep Level. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost at 20 years representing reps. So that would be, I would have been six or seven, which is crazy to me. Like, so in my age group, I'm the longest serving rep player now at Penrith, which is, yeah, it's really exciting, but that's purely because I played up an age when I was that young and I've played every single year since. So all through T-ball, all through mod ball into softball. Now I play opens for Penrith still this year. We play a state championship every year. So yeah, a long time. I would have been six or seven. But yeah, getting back to that, I the girl got injured. I played reps and I just haven't stopped since. But it's kind of ironic now because it ended up being the sport I was the most successful in or the one I was driven to choose. Mm-hmm. And back then I absolutely hated it. I didn't even <laughs> want a bar of it. Like I thought it was so boring, you mm-hmm. know, but I love it now. It's all my best friends came out of it. It's such a feel-good sport. Like there's no better feeling than being in like a team energy sport like that and like like winning a national championship. Like we just played nationals in January and we won. And it's just like a feeling I live for every year. It's my favorite time of the year, just because like to win that championship, you work so hard. And like, when you get that, like I wouldn't, I would never change any of the the career I've had in softball because of that, that so one feeling. There weren't any other sports that you would 
have liked to have dabbled in? Yeah, I mean, I was a pretty good netballer. I did. I was pretty successful in athletics. Um, just things happen, and it was getting too much. Like I was like a kid in school, going home from school, rushing to like athletics training and then having to go to rep training the same afternoon. And I was just like doing so much. The next day I'd have gymnastics and then I'd have rep training and there'd be netball tournaments on the weekend, softball tournaments the next weekend. And I, I, it got to the point where I had to choose, mm-hmm. you know, I started working, I had to start earning my own money. I think when I was 15. So you have to, you have to make a sacrifice at some right. point, you know, and I decided, I think it was that next or that year, I made my first New South Wales team for under 16s, which was like so exciting. You know, like there was 90 or so kids back then that were trialing and to make that team was like incredible, you know, and it was at that point I was like, yeah, like let's go with softball. Let's choose that path. So I stopped playing netball. I stopped playing, um, doing athletics, which was weird because it was the only like individual sport I had Mm -hmm. been doing. Everything else was team. Um, and yeah, just pursued my softball career and did some other sports just for fun, like, you know, indoor soccer and stuff. That's sick. I, I, I always, um, always wanted to be a, uh, a pro athlete when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, but never, no, that never happened. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's a life that is very exciting. Unfortunately, you know, we had a chat about this previously, but, um, it's not a sport that you can do full time unless you're, you know, playing in Japan or America and you have to be like really great to be over there. You know, those girls are awesome players that are playing over there at the moment. And, um, I've always worked as well as softball. At what point did you want it to be a career or was that just not really a a conscious decision? You just kept doing it and and you just kind of, it was never, it it was never like an option for me. Like I knew that was never going to be an option. So I would have loved, it was always, I remember being a little kid being like, I want to be an Olympian Right. when I was in athletics at that right. time. And that was, that's always been a goal. I want to be an Olympian. Like when you're in sport, that's your dream, right? That's the big time. So that was always a, a thing, but I never ever was like, I can be a, fo-. like, it wasn't even an option for me. Like being a kid, like knowing that there's, it's not even a sport that I can do full time at this point. Mm. Um, it would have, but when you were a kid, did you feel like you needed to make a conscious decision to pursue it as something that you would want to do on a professional level? No, I wouldn't. I wasn't even aware. Like if I'm being All honest, right. it was only till I actually started dating a professional athlete and I really got to get a taste of what that life looked like. Right. And I was so jealous. Like I wanted that <laughs> so bad, you know, and it was so awesome that they got to pursue that right. career. And it was so cool to see that like women get that opportunity, especially now. Like I think that's a newer thing. Um, yeah, that females get that opportunity and she could do that. So like that made me open my eyes a little bit. So I actually made the decision. I think we spoke about it. I went and lived in Holland mm. Um, so I lived that athlete life for, you know, seven months and it was awesome. Financially, it's not great. Like I went there and spent a lot of money, you know, like they boarded me and everything like that, but you're not really earning too much. So you can't really do that permanently unless you get a, like a job over there and Mm. stuff like that, which I just wanted to enjoy my time and the experience and really focus on my sport. So I just did softball and I did some coaching and stuff to make some money, but like, Um, so it was that. And yeah, like, uh, as we spoke about, like I really sacrificed and made a choice these last six months to focus on softball. Um, I kind of looked at my life and I was like, I'm young. I'm only going to be playing softball for a certain amount of time. Right. So let's make a decision on life. And like, I can work 
for the rest of my life. Like I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. Like, and it's at the point now where people are older when they're buying houses and getting married and settling down. But I, I don't want the pressure of any of that. I just want to live in the moment. And I really lived true to that this year. Like I, I went on a big trip and like, then I came home and like my full focus was softball. And I was very lucky that the boss and the company I'm currently with allowed me to do that and like really give my all to softball, like focus on my rehab after surgery, pursue that sort of pathway. And like really the last six months, it was all about softball and I was working casually, which I'm so thankful for my boss for that, you know, because not a lot of people get that opportunity. So I was earning a bit, but I was also doing what I really wanted to do. So it was, I can't complain about that, you know. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that that's uh, a rare thing to do in terms of, you know what your goal is mm-hmm. or what you would like your life to be, mm-hmm. but you just can't, <laughs> I guess, you just feel like you either don't know how to get there or you're too afraid to kind of go after it. I think it's people struggle to find what makes them the most happy. And like, for me, that's been so important this last year. Like what's going to make me personally happy? Is it going to be chasing a dream? And like, I know that softball was bringing me the most happiness and like feeling like I was achieving my goals and chasing my goals. And I think people sometimes get lost in like, what makes them happy and they settle into life. Like I'm at this age now and I don't own a house or I'm not married or I'm not Mm. this. And they, they settle into something that not necessarily makes them, you know, feel good or happy. And like, we've spoke about this, like chase your goal whilst you can, I think do what's going to make you happy in that moment. And like the rest will figure itself out. Like life will figure itself out as it figures itself out. Like don't just settle into something because you feel like you haven't got something in life or you're trying to chase something. So it it was different for me and I changed my whole mind perspective and everything. And like the word perspective in itself was a big thing for me. Like when I'm feeling like I'm changing who I am, I, I need to like change my perspective on the way I'm viewing negative situations in my life or work or where I'm living or what I'm trying to do because – I'm trying to do what makes me happy. And I think most people need to focus on that sometimes more so than this is what my life should be and I'm not there yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have you had moments where you feel like you've slipped up on that? Um, no. No. <laughs> no. Sure. No. So I'll tell you, I'll give you this like little thing that I did last year. So um, in softball, uh, we have like a, a sports, let's call her a sports psych that we can talk to. Okay. Um, she worked with our Firestars team a couple of years ago. I've actually filmed a podcast with her before as well. And like, it was just like during the podcast, she gave me such good advice, like whilst I was interviewing her, you know, and she told me to write myself a letter, write yourself a letter and just see where it comes. And like, as I started writing, I was really shocked with myself because I really thought it would go negative Like I'm very hard on myself as a person Mm. in general. And I thought it was going to be like a really negative letter. But as I'm writing, it was so positive and it made me feel really happy. Like this letter I was writing was like very positive about where I was going, who I was. But there was this one particular line in there that was like, Jazz, just go to go to Asia. You've been talking about it for years. Like I love travel, Mm. but I literally wrote those words like go to Asia. Like just go do it. Like book it and just go. And I found that diary months later and I reread the letter and I was like, read that, that particular line, like jazz, just go to Asia. And I was like, you know what? 
Like, I'm going to do it. Like, why not? Like, you have the savings. I just left the company I was with and I just, like, booked the tickets two weeks and just went. And, like, I'm very – I've been very spontaneous this year and, like, in terms of, like, I want to do this. Like, just go do it. And I ended up – like, I'm so proud of myself, you know. Like, I read that and I was like, just go. So two weeks, booked a one-way ticket, landed in Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam – with two nights accommodation in a hostel booked and then just like lived every day from then. I had no other plans and ended up spending like eight weeks just backpacking around, like meeting amazing people and probably the best experience I've had in terms of self-growth and like it just makes you feel good as a person when you actually have a goal or like you say you want to do something and then you do it. Was that the first time you travelled solo? Um, No. So I did a little bit in Europe and stuff like that when I was away and I've done a little bit of South America with a friend but mm. – I've done a fair bit of traveling, but that was probably the most intense. You know, I was very, you hear a lot about Asia and like negative perspectives on it and it's dangerous and be careful, but it was the safest I've ever felt traveling. It was the the nicest people, the most fun. I never had any problems. And like, I was alone a lot. Like I met a couple of really cool people that I would travel with for a week or two here. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because some of them are actually in Australia now. So I have those friendships I mm. made and like, what was it about the Asia trip that you feel made you, I guess, come so, so happy? Long? Yeah, because like I just feel like a lot of people wouldn't expect you to just do something like that, and it made me happy when I was walking around and just finding my way. Like I remember playing it so cool to my mom, like "Mom, I'm going to Asia," and she's like, "No, you're not. Not by yourself. Like you're a female. You're not going by yourself." And I was like, "I'm going," mm -hmm. and I was playing it so cool. And I remember getting off the plane, like taking a breath, going like, "Okay." You can do this. Like found the bus within like minutes, found my hostel almost straight away. And I was like, this is going to be fine. And I remember speaking to the um, receptionist at the hostel and I just said like, "What? where should I go? Like what, what do people do? And then you meet people in the hostels and they say, I did this and this. And you're like, great, like I'll just do that. Or I'm going here. Okay, I'll come with you. Like, and I remember just after chatting with that lady, her English was really um, like really good. And I just automatically felt a sense of like safeness and like, I'm going to be fine on this trip. This is going to be great. And I never, I never had any problems from then. Right. Like I've got some crazy stories, but like <laughs> no danger. Like I never felt unsafe. I never wanted to be like, I need to go home. Like but there was nothing. you didn't get there. that same feeling when you're traveling in Europe? Um, I did. I guess I was younger back then. Right. Um, I had, had more of a plan. Right, right, right didn't really know the hostel life. I could kind of kept to myself a bit more. Like I'm a naturally extroverted person. Gotcha. But on this Asia trip, like you go sit down by yourself and anyone will just come sit with you. You have a laugh. Like everything's super cheap. Like there's so much more adventure. Like the food, mm -hmm. amazing. <laughs> like I remember eating in Vietnam, Ari, and it was like a big bowl of pho and like a Coke Zero or something like that. Or I think I had a coconut actually at this point. And it was like, <laughs> it was like $2.30. And okay. it was the best food ever. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, was it out in the wild somewhere, or <laughs> it was in some like, random? It was in some random Vietnamese lady's house. Like, I just walked in and no. <laughs> you just barge in. Hey, it's me. Nah. Have you seen that photo? I can't remember where it is, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in Vietnam somewhere. But mm -hmm. there are restaurants like at the bottom of waterfalls or mm. at the top of waterfalls. I didn't see anything like that. I ate. I didn't eat safe. Like I ate local, <laughs> I ate local food. Like okay. people will go there and not eat meat because they're scared yeah, or can, not eat I the street food. But that, yeah. so, like, and I get, yeah, I get it. Like, and 
I got sick once, um, but I think that was more because I accidentally drank some dirty water when I was tubing. <laughs> so besides that, um, like when you think about it, I had eight weeks there. Funny enough. Was it eight weeks? Eight weeks I had there and I didn't get like vomit ill at or ever from food. Yeah. Funny enough, my first day home, food poisoning. So whether it was like the, the westernized. No, I'm thinking more, I'm living off like rice and soups and noodles. Yeah. And then I came home and had like chicken burger chips, like fully westernized food. And I got so ill that night. Yeah. Your uh, stomach's like, where's the foe at? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this <laughs> Emergency stuff? Emergency evacuation. Yeah. It was very bad food poisoning. Like, I don't want to say where from because it's uh-huh. one of my favorite food places. And I hate that they did that to me. <laughs> And it changed my stigma. Intentionally, you went there for eight weeks and business I know, was like, bad. The whole time I was like, I can't wait to go home and eat this particular food. And I went there and they did that to me. Like, are you mm. kidding me? No, nah, but um, <laughs> no, it was crazy. The Lannisters in their regards. Oh, uh, I should complain. Nah, but I've eaten since and it's been fine. So we're, mm. we're in the clear. But yeah, no, it's it was it was amazing. And not once did I, was I disappointed in myself or didn't do what I wanted to on that trip and I achieved so much. Like I've always been like, I've been there next place kind of person, but I would 100% hands down go back to Asia, more so Vietnam. Like it's just incredible. Like I'd tell anyone like go to Vietnam. Like it's the best place you'll ever go. Mm. Do you do do, like much domestic travel? Look, Australia is a beautiful country Uh and I'm going to be here for my life. Like I know this is where I want to live. Like there's nowhere else I want to live. And I know one day I'll do a big trip around Australia when I'm probably older. I want to see different. Caravan kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. You know, cliche, look at me, I bought a van kind of trip. But... um, (laughs) Look at me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't you think, come on. Like everyone who buys a van, we know it. We (laughs) get it. You're going around Australia. Would you do the whole like travel blog thing? Start a new Instagram page, like... Jazz on the road, yeah, and I'll get like a cat or something to come with me for ca- like company. But and then the cat just blows up in popularity, so then the cat needs its own Instagram. Yeah, page. so here I am running four different Instagram pages. <laughs> the cat needs a manager. <laughs> nah, so like, uh, it's that's a great question because like my nan and pop are English, right? And they always say to me like, why? Like side note, my family aren't big travelers, mm. like not really been to too many places. So especially my mom. So when I said, I'm going to Asia, she was like, why? Like, what do you mean? Like, but she doesn't travel, you know, she hasn't been there and done that stuff. So um, my nana probably say, why do you want to go see other places when Australia is the best country in the world? Like you've got everything right here, travel around Australia. And I said, because how will I appreciate my own country if I don't see the other places? Like I want to see the other places. And I very much like different, like, I've been to Canada, I've been to America and they remind me a lot of home. They have their, you know, it's different and I haven't done a lot of America. So I'm just speaking of my experience, but you know, you go to places like Europe or Asia and the culture is there and it's so different, you know, and it makes you like see the world in a whole different light. Like I did some really cool stuff, especially in Asia, but then it makes you appreciate Australia so much more in a sense, but also you're seeing what other people live like and how their lifestyle is. And that makes you like, be like, oh, okay. Like I remember coming home from living in Holland, Mm -hmm. going into Darling Harbour, being like, this is such a beautiful city. They don't have tall buildings there, you know? And going back to my point and my Nana Pop, they love Australia. Like they're permanent residents here now. They've been here for a very long time. And like Australia to them is everything. Like it's the best place in the world. So I know I will one day 
do a trip around Australia. I have seen a few places through softball, like domestic travel and like playing games, but I haven't really, Yeah. like I haven't gone to the Great Barrier Reef, for instance. Like that's a massive tourist place for Australia, right? Like there's just little things like that. And people are like, you haven't even explored your own country. Yeah, I, I get that all the time when there are uh, friends, you know, coming over for the first time. Yeah. They're like, oh, where should we, where should we go? And I always struggle. Yeah. Like, I, I take them to the places that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But they want to go to, they go, what are the best tourist spots? And I'm just always struggling. <laughs> Besides the obvious. To the know, beach. Like, <laughs> <laughs> onward. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to, uh, I, can't, I can't remember where, where the hell I took him. My favorite place is actually um, uh, Hobart. Hobart? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Why's that? There was, this, um, there was this drive that I went on. And I had the coast basically just right next to right next to me as I don't I can't remember where I was going, but I just loved how it just felt uh, like it just felt really intimate mm-hmm. um, being so close to someone's lacking a bit of inti- intimacy in their life. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that being that being that close to to nature. I don't know. It was it was really nice. Yeah. Um, but it's also got one of my favorite museums. The, the Mona. Love that place. Yeah. Really, really cool. No, that's great. And I think it's like you live in a big city, right? So when you go to a place like that, you take a step back and you kind of breathe. Yeah. I've, I've learned that I really don't like uh, the whole city life. I don't like big cities. Why are you here? I don't know. I'll, I'll be on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like right now, like what I just spoke about, you're living this life where like you're doing a lot of stuff for yourself and you're very passionate and like, I want to do things that are going to achieve my goals, which is great. But like, if you're unhappy here, like what's going to make you happy? (laughs) Then go. (laughs) Then get out of here. Like move to Hobart for six months, you know, like nah, but I get what you're saying. Nah, that's, I haven't been, so I couldn't, I couldn't offer my opinion on that, but there is some beautiful places in Australia. One of the things I'd love to do. So one of the, one of the goals for me is I'd love to uh, open up, a studio of sorts. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting in an office or whatever, I'd love to have a studio, maybe somewhere on the coast, like Wollongong or um, Central Coast or mm-hmm. something. I thought that'd be really cool, kind mm-hmm. of like somewhere in a small coastal town mm-hmm. to to do all the things that I do. So you got me to check out the the website the other oh, day. Oh yeah, far out. Because yeah. I haven't been on there in a while, and I didn't even like realize that that's how in depth you were going with this stuff. And it was so cool to see because like I've seen it from when you first sort of started it not first sort of started but when I met you like it was kind of still you weren't putting a lot of your energy towards it and it was like so cool to see you like take it on as like a full-time thing you know and you said to me like oh I'm thinking about getting a full-time job and I said no like (laughs) you're the one person that consistently um kind of kept me on on path in terms of keep pursuing this thing whereas everyone else or the majority, I'm struggling to think if there was anyone else, but the majority of uh, voices that I was hearing was, uh, maybe keep it as like a small <laughs> side thing. I don't know if this is going to mm-hmm. amount to anything. Because it's, it's evolved and taken so many turns. Because mm-hmm. I found really, really old stuff from like 2015-ish. Yeah. It was like the very first podcast that I tried. Because when I first decided that this is something that I want to do, it started as a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's things I want to talk about. I guess I should do that in a podcast. 
and they were so bad. <laughs> they were just so, I, I felt they were terrible because um, A, it was boring, but the the biggest problem was there were things that I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't figure out the right medium or the right way to present it. Yeah. It didn't feel right to have a conversation of something that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and then be upset when the conversation goes in a different direction. And it's Which like, is no, 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 let's, podcasting. let's, uh, let's <laughs> mainly talk about like, that's not, yeah. that's not a fair thing to kind of punch for. So it kind of then evolved into like, Oh, why don't I try um, telling stories? And that took a long time to mm-hmm. get to. I think that was a 2017 thing Yeah, where I quit my job because it just wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. There, there were these, uh, I don't know, ideas or moments that were just constantly in my head. Uh, I don't know. Do you dream like this where there are moments that you would like to get to? Mm. I don't I don't know if that's how I think about it. No, okay. if I'm being honest. But Well, that's that's for some reason that's how I typically dream. It's like yeah. there are these scenarios that um, feel so real. Mm-hmm. And it's like you wake up and it's like, oh God, I'd love for that to be a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite oh. visual. Like I know what that image looks like. It's It's presented in the form of an image. Yeah. Right. It's like you look at a painting and it's like, fuck, I'd like to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that kept happening and it made it really hard to function at work. Yeah. To the point where I lost like a lot of um, uh, passion and drive for being a career guy. Yeah. Um, in, in the sense of kind of living out this corporate uh, path, career path. Yeah. And it was, it was just really strange because it was just, it was very alien to me not doing something that was obvious yeah or like going you know going down the path uh less traveled or at least what i felt was left less traveled for me Mm -hmm. it's like why am i thinking this way why do i have this urge like there's there's nothing in my past that made sense that you could kind of go yeah like why aren't you pursuing that it's kind of like uh, you you hear someone singing in the shower and then you they come out of the shower. It's like, holy shit, you got a good voice. You should try singing. <laughs> There's nothing in my past that would warrant me having these dreams. Yeah. Or having these visions of I, what I'd like to do. I think it's a great thing, like uh, visualization, I guess. Yeah. But a big thing that you said to me that stuck out that I'll always remember when we probably just had a coffee at work was... I know how passionate you are about dry humor and that career you want to take, right? <laughs> yeah. But you were you were working to achieve somebody else's goal. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was, was a, massive. That was a big thing that I've always remembered from you. You're right. So there was. Have you been in a situation where someone someone's like, "What is the reason that you feel this way?" And it just feels like there's probably five good reasons, but they're all vastly different from each other. Yeah. And it's like, do I say one or do I say all five and confuse the hell out of them? Because <laughs> I don't really know which one's like in the lead. Yeah. So that that was a big one. Yeah. Where, um, I don't know. It's like you, you step out of the, <laughs> the matrix or something. Um, yeah. One of the things that I felt um, twice now. Mm-hmm. Once in that old job and once again in the recent job, 
where it felt like I was serving, um, I don't know, I was at a piece in someone else's puzzle or like yeah. I was working towards someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. And I would have these dreams and they felt great. And then it's just like, well, why, why don't I try and make these dreams become a reality? Like that would feel amazing. Yeah, that's what's going to bring you happiness, right? Yeah. I'd I'd love to articulate it properly. I feel like this has come up so many times in the past where people have or I've wanted to talk about this change or like how I feel, mm-hmm. but I've just never well articulated it. And so I love I'd love to spend some time to like maybe write it down or like maybe properly explore it. Put it in a book. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, an autobiography or something. Yeah. No, but I love I love how it feels. I love what I do. It's challenging as hell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's gonna work out, but I'm. I feel That's like the I'm fun doing. Of it, though. I, I feel like I'm doing. But it's better than the 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 other end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. It's better than feeling like oh, what if? Feeling that that burden of fuck. Uh, it would have been cool to have seen whether I could have. Mm. Or at least tried to see if it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, there's been maybe four or five major twists and turns mm-hmm. where I, I'm, what I'm doing now <laughs> has, like, is very different to what I originally set out to, to, to be or to do. And that's a good thing, I think. 100%. Because I didn't know that I would find so much joy doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's like, I, I really like the, the quality of the, um, the, the graphic novel that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, but now one of my drives is I want to become a better writer. I want to become a better storyteller. I want to keep doing better. Um, like I'd, I'd love to talk to other creatives and understand how they go about evolving their work because it's not really something I thought about before. When you think about writers or people that create stuff mm-hmm. or do anything, do you feel like you're improving? <laughs> yeah. Or does it just feel like you achieve a particular level and you just pray that you don't get worse? Calling out to the public, asking shout for out, a shout friend. Shout out. Uh, all creatives, please stand up. Uh, just, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point and I think that like – change is good if you have a goal to get to here and there's a lot of side notes and stuff it's going back to that same thing you're meeting new people you're learning different things you're changing this everything's for a reason and I think you need to view things like that in a positive sense of I thought this is where it was going to go but it ended up here and it's super exciting hell yeah yeah Uh, the other thing that that has really helped is trying to make as many uh I want to say future decisions as humanly possible like there's two active projects, but I'm trying to, I don't want to be in a position where, and, and I know you, 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 um, we were talking about this before, but, um, there's been so many times where I, I've been in a spot where you do something and it's like, well, now what? <laughs> and then it's like, fuck, I need to fire up the, the, the think engine Yeah, where like, or what you've I, achieved what you'd set out and it's yeah, like, well, and what's it's like, the next where, step? Where do I go from here? Yeah. Um, I, I'm lucky that I've got a pipeline of stuff that I want to do. 
Mm -hmm. uh, like immediately afterwards and I'm doing little things to kind of chip away at it. So it's like, well, once these are done, I can immediately go into it mm -hmm. and I can learn from these things and apply it yeah. to the, to the future projects. But there, there's enough stuff um, floating around in my mind that'll keep me busy for the next like hundred years, years <laughs> at least. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's challenging shit. Like I've got a couple of films that I'd love to make. Yeah. I have no idea how I'm going to make them, but I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, it's good. Yeah. But you were saying that you're feeling, um, which which I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around because you've got this amazing goal of being an Olympian. And I'm sure that has, actually, I don't know what the steps are to get there. <laughs> but you were saying you, you felt like a little... Um, a little lost about it. Oh, not a little lost in terms of like I, growing up, that was always a goal of mine. Like last year I set myself some really big goals, um, really high bar, you know, like uh, let's just put it back to the sport for a second. Like I was, I lost myself a little bit the last couple of years. Like I went through, that's right. Yeah. I went through two major knee surgeries and like, I didn't realize, you know, as an athlete, when you get taken, something gets taken away from you that makes you the most happiest. So just from a sports perspective, like you kind of lose yourself. And I lost myself a little bit in that. And, you know, dating a professional athlete, I didn't realize it was kind of taking a toll because like my goal then became that goal, you know, and supporting that goal. And like, as much as I was working for my rehab, it was so mentally draining. And I never realized till after the part, you know, and um, I made a decision last year to kind of look at my life and say, okay, like, what can I control? What can't I control? Like I've done my second knee, like people will give up at this point. And it comes back to that, like mindset again, like what's going to make me happy. And I realized how hard it was to watch my team go and play nationals and not be a part of that. It's really tough. And I kind of sat back and said, okay, so like, how can I get there this year? So I was working so hard on my rehab, so hard. And like, I'm not going to lie, it was so draining. Like, I wanted to give up. Like, I'd already done a whole year of it. And then to have the same thing come in and knock you off your feet, it's so tough. And um, I was just kind of looking at my life and I said, I need a break. So I still had big goals, but I went and did that trip. I did as much rehab as I could overseas to keep fit because I was coming home basically at the end of the rehab where I would be doing fitness testing mm -hmm. and I needed to be ready for that. So I came home and gave myself a few weeks to you know, pass all the testing and everything. And, you know, first goal achieved to get back in that team. The second goal was to win nationals. And the third one I told you was to make that SummerSlam team, which um, a lot of people what don't understand how much that meant to me, you know, like sitting there, I said this year, the year before and watching the girls out there, this new exciting thing, like a big change had just happened in my life. And I was just so jealous and like heartbroken. And I remember watching them sitting there with my like bad stitched up knee thinking like, I want this so bad next year. And like to achieve that this year, just the feeling of getting your name in there was incredible because I've looked at my life over the last year and like all those goals are now over, you know, like all the things I'd set myself out last year, I've now passed that point. So I, I, I don't think it's necessary. I'm feeling a bit, Oh, I guess I am feeling a bit lost as to where to next. Mm -hmm. um, but I just made a big decision to not go play overseas this year. I'm going to settle into 
um, saving up some money. You know, I want to achieve other things in life now. Still got massive goals in softball, obviously, but um, going in a bit of a different direction this year. And I guess I was at that point where what do you do mm. when you haven't set yourself some new goals but the ones you were working towards are kind of over? You feel a bit, like, lost. Like, have you ever had that where you – Um. Yes. So the biggest lull in my timeline was when Friendzone Island had finished. Um, Because a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, I didn't plan um, until well, well after. Mm -hmm. And it it was as a result of what am I doing now? Mm -hmm. Like it was it was so it was such a it was such a tall order. I, I, didn't, I never planned on making a film. It was something that kind of one thing led to another. Um, I always thought it would be cool to do one, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, cool. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but uh, October 2018, making Friendzoned Island, and then we're doing this and then this. That came way later. Friendzoned Island was a big eye-opener for me mm-hmm. in terms of, um, what I could potentially be doing. Yeah. Um, so uh, Michelle Heyman, who's like um, a mutual friend, mm-hmm. uh, introduced me to uh, May, who I worked on the film with. And then it was only during Friends on Island where for the first time it crossed my mind that, oh, um, I could be a storyteller. Yeah. I could make, I can like go out and make other things. Mm -hmm. But it took a while to action that or sink in. Mm -hmm. Like it felt great knowing that, but for some reason I just hesitated. Yeah. Because it was something that I'd never done before. And and I was just like, is this like a good thing to to kind of set out to achieve yeah it's like oh fuck it <laughs> like why not it'd be really cool to so like let's let's give it a go and then the, the as as i started writing new material i just fell in love with it yeah I, you know going back to the whole visualizing uh that kind of gave me a bit of a, a drive yeah so I, I don't know if that answered your question but basically when I felt like I was back to, you know, square zero, I just kind of went through a, a, a list of, of things that I thought would be cool to do and then just let that uh, help guide me mm-hmm. because all of those things had end, end states. And I still had that goal of the, the studio and where I wanted to be in five to ten years but I just didn't have anything in the short term to strive towards. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a roadmap of stuff that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, it's funny cause like while I'm doing these things, just, I think just like you, I oscillate between being really passionate and, and feeling like I'm unstoppable Yeah. to like, extreme self-doubt and it's like what am i doing with my life why am i doing this yeah um and then you're just constantly bouncing back and forth and i just thought it was funny that you said that because i don't know, it's it's rare to kind of hear that 
other people go through that as well. Oh, I think it's such a, a huge thing in humans. Mm. Like naturally, as much as we might feel like we know exactly what we want, we're on track, we're feeling good, like you can wake up the next day and I go through this so much. Like this is a weird time of the year for me, you know, and um, I look back at everything I've done over the last year and I feel proud of myself, but then I start self-doubting and like you put yourself in a really bad headspace and I just think as humans, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. I know me personally, I'm sure you are too. Like I get so hard on myself. And um, I actually spoke with someone the other day, which was really nice. Um, she's just like kind of like a mentor, but kind of reminded me that there's no timeline on being at a certain place with your mental health or your mindset or your goals. There's no timeline on it. So just because you you may feel like you've reached a point in your life where you're like, I've got here, that doesn't mean you can't feel a certain way again or go back, you know, and people put pressure on themselves and me personally, like there's no timeline for me to be at this point in my life. Like it'll happen when it happens. And although it's okay to like be down and it's okay to like have those days where you're not okay. Like I still have that every day, you know, like I've been at very low points in my life where I recognize when I'm heading that way and I felt like oh, I'll never be there again because I've been there before and I'm very aware of that. But like sometimes you feel like that again and then I get really down on myself. I'm like, why am I like feeling this way again? And I just think it's the same thing. Like humans, there's no timeline on achieving something and then staying with that, you know? And when it comes to work and your goals and everything like that, I think we just get a bit caught up in it sometimes and be like, okay, well, I've done this, this and this, but this has gone wrong and now I feel like I'm back here again. Mm. Does that make sense? I feel like we... It does. I, I feel like, uh, at least for me, it it's sometimes like... What's the magic word like? <laughs> <coughs> but in this example, I think it makes sense. So it feels like when... <laughs> Actually, no, it doesn't work. When I'm... Uh, when I have a certain expectation and it's even mildly off, mm -hmm. that's when it hits me. Yeah. The, the, the doubt. Even though it's something that I could probably fix, mm -hmm. it's nothing that crazy. There's just, uh, you know, when, when, when certain things come to you and it's not exactly the way that you um, imagined it or expected it to turn out, mm -hmm. it's like, ah. Oh, <laughs> but I'm definitely getting better at um, seeing the, the 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 bright side of it. Or it's not even it's not even like it's something negative. It's just oh, here's a new challenge I need to deal with. Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for that, um, but now I've I've got to address this. Yeah, and just being able to immediately kind of fight it. This is what I'm going to do about this. Yeah. Like, for example, sometimes when uh, I give a brief out and then um, I finally see... I always get nervous when creative comes to me. When, when artwork comes back, I'm like, oh, please be good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but all the artists I work with are fantastic. So nothing, nothing negative to say about them. But I'll look at, I'll look at a page and it's like this, uh, this one frame isn't exactly the way that I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes I'll get um, uh, a graphic and, yeah, it's not 100% right. I need to kind of take five seconds so mm -hmm. that 
I can let the expectation just really get out of my mind. Yeah. Because it's just getting in the way of dealing with, well, is this is this actually good or am I just being like unnecessarily hard on yourself? Hard on, hard on us, on yeah. It's really strange. It's really odd to be in that in that position because I feel like I've spent years um, dealing with a lot of subjectivity, like being on the other side of it. Yeah. So I, I'm really sensitive when it comes to working with you know creative people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can go wrong really quickly. I used to do a lot of graphic design stuff, and working working with um, with people that have given you briefs can be a nightmare. Yeah, because a lot of the times I feel like uh, people don't really know what they want. They'll have a very 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 vague idea of what they want, mm-hmm. but nine out of ten times, what they see comes out as surprise. To yeah, them. because it's like, just do what you do. <laughs> A lot of detail is missing because they don't know what the hell they're looking for. And that's fine because it's it's rare for you to know exactly 100% what you're looking for to the point where you you articulate it to such a de- like to such a degree that it would be hard for them to to not produce it correctly. Yeah. Not correctly, but produce it exactly the way that you want it. Um so I feel like I've gone to like maybe above and beyond what I should be doing yeah. in terms of guiding um, the artists that I work with uh, to bring certain frames or, or, or graphics to life. Yeah. But I don't want to impede on the creative process at the same time. So what you're saying is you they give you an idea, you feel like you sort of steer them a certain way to help that come to life. Flip it. Okay. So then you feel as though it takes away, in a sense, from the creative process because it's almost changing from what the actual original visualisation is. Yeah, so think of it like, um, I don't know, what's one of your favourite books? Uh, Storybooks. Storybooks? What do you mean storybook? As in, like, I don't want you to say, like, oh, the autobiography of uh, Steve Harry Jobs. Potter. Oh, Harry Potter, great. <laughs> Let's just go with Harry so Potter. So did you read the Harry Potter books before the movies came out? Not after. Okay. Is there a book that? <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Fuck it. Okay. So let's say you read um, you read a, a novel. Yeah. Um, and you're visualizing the story in your head. Yeah. Okay. Now imagine <laughs> if the way that you're visualizing it is completely different mm-hmm. to what you know, the author intended. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because she doesn't need you to to actually produce a visualization that's to her uh, physical creative vision. Yeah. Yeah. I need that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm really curious about how they're visualizing it without me specifically um, detailing what to visualize. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing, I feel like, a, a novel, there's a lot of descriptive, um, there's a lot of lines to help you visualize it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a warning? Do we need to get the hell out of here? <coughs> I feel like that was a warning. But anyway, there's a lot of lines to help you visualize the story, right? Mm-hmm. But not to the extent where you've literally read a page that says this person's here, 
Yeah. And they're wearing a blue shirt and they look like this and like describing it to the length where you're just like, Jesus, I get it. Like, calm down. Yeah. Right. I, I kind of try to dabble in that so that there's something to go off because I think the worst position to be in is they put in a lot of effort into trying to artistically visualize um, a scene mm-hmm. and it's not what you intended. Right. Like I, I think when you're, vis- when you're doing visual storytelling, like you have to go to that, uh, to that depth. Mm-hmm. My, um, my, not issue, but what I love to see is what, what are they imagining if they don't have that, um, that level of detail? Because I'd, I'd love to know. Yeah. What are they visualizing when they don't have all the, the description? I'm really curious because it might be able to like help grow a scene because mm-hmm. it may be something I didn't think about. Yeah. Has there ever been a situation where you've had to like bail out on working on a project because of that? The difference, the like creative differences and. Yes. But only one, surprisingly. Yeah. The one and then another one that I came close, but there was surprisingly. Um, there's a lot of artists where. And I don't know if this is the norm. It feels like it's the norm um, where you kind of got one shot. You got <laughs> one shot and one shot only um, to get the brief right. Yeah. And then whatever they give you back, you have to live with it. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I can't stand that. Yeah. Because it, it makes me really nervous. And it means that this brief needs to be so tight mm. that they're going to make exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. Um. And I, I really, really don't like working that way. Not that I need a hundred revisions <laughs> to get it right, but I feel like the creative process requires a little bit of back and forth. You know, like there's there's steps, there's stages to it. Thank God, you have, um, you know, very very rough uh, sketches, and that's my favorite stage mm-hmm. because that that really helps being able to visualize it. I do a bit of storyboarding myself, but because I'm a shit drawer, <laughs> um, like it really it really helps when someone else is like a decent drawer and they can actually sketch it out. Yeah. And they're still rough, but it really helps to properly visualize the scene. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, now that I kind of see it, let's make these kind of like adjustments. Yep, that's looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need that. It really, really helps. Mm-hmm. But some people, it's just like, no, here's what it looks like. We're done here. <laughs> and I don't work well Make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love the artists that I work with now. They're really talented. I, um, they're super supportive. Um, like, it's it's really nice working with other people that you you work well with. Yeah. And the same, same passions, I guess. Like, he's all they're trying to achieve a common yeah, goal, right? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest... Uh, the, the thing that bugs me about freelancers is that the common goal is the project. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's paid work. Um, and I, th- I think that's the, the main drive for this studio. I, I want Dry Humor to grow because one of my dreams is to build a team. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think that's the, the, that's just something missing. Like, I don't. I don't like the 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 isolation, and um, I, I love what I do, and I love working on it. I love the the creativity of it, but 
I, I would love to share this with other people. Yeah. Um, as in the 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 creative process, the 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 you know the the you get there. Yeah, you like get there. Finding other people that that love you know making things and yeah and 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 love the they're doing it because they enjoy it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not because they have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Just to backtrack real quick, the artists love the projects, and I'm not I'm not taking a dig at them or anything, but it's just like in terms of like a long term kind of uh, thing like yeah. you know they're obviously going to go off and, and do other things mm -hmm. but yeah the the appeal of building a team means yeah. that and it's, it's, you want to be the boss not that i need to be the boss but it's just like you know it's just like at you know when we used to work together mm. it's really fun to work with when you cross into different teams yeah. and yeah like we did a few um things together when i first started and it was really fun yeah you know, you get to throw around different ideas and we think completely different, which was interesting. But it was, Oh, I forgot about that. It was cool, though, because yeah. it kind of slowed me down a little. And as much as I was like, Ari, come on, let's get it done, because I'm a fast thinker. Like, think of it, do it. You like to read into it. Why are we doing this? Well, let's change it to this. And, like, us, I think we kind of helped each other in a sense because, like, you slowed me right down and made me think about things a little bit differently. And I also helped you kind of get to your points of what you were thinking. If that makes sense. Yeah, I remember that because that was the first time we worked on a project together. Mm -hmm. And because at that point, I'm pretty sure we were friends. Mm -hmm. And I got past the dry humor stuff. So I started to realize what you were trying to do. <laughs> so I actually forgot about that. Mm. I forgot about that. Um, so I've, I've actually been like really enjoying this. I know I know that we've we've pivoted quite, quite a few times. <laughs> Completely pivoted. And I just... I'll, like I wouldn't mind doing one of those three hour podcasts, but I I think we do need to to wrap, unfortunately. We do. Time flies when you're having fun in here, I, I think. Mm. And I think we've done a we've done a good thing here a, today. A fantabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we do our awkward high five like last time? <laughs> oh yeah, I actually still have the footage of that. Yeah. But the high five is out of point.